Hello, and welcome back to Your Takes, Our Excrement, or as we're calling it around here, Excrement lately, uh, which we think is spicy and fun, mm-hmm. because uh, we, you know what, we like to abbreviate things, we think that long titles are kind of silly, which is why having a long titled podcast is just real hard for us. Anyway... Your Take is Excrement uh, is the podcast that you are now listening to. And isn't that great for you? Uh, I am May, as always, and I'm joined by... Uh, Neo, or Angstrom, uh, and I will have... uh, Or you can find me on Twitter. You can? You can. Oh. You can find the Catboy on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I have a feeling you found this podcast from me from Twitter. So if that is the situation then I apologize for marketing to the people who are already marketed to. But if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Nick Spears online and I do a lot of uh, horror related media stuff in about, I don't know, let's call it, let's call it like four or five years ago. Now I had an, I had a viral video. Did you know this? Mm. It was about drum roll. (laughs) Phantom of the paradise. Which is the topic of today's podcast. Isn't that really fascinating? Yes. Uh, So actually, after we watched this movie, I was looking for stuff about it. And I saw saw your video on YouTube, and I chose not to watch it. Uh Ah, a wise choice was made. Yeah, I do probably have the most popular takes on the movie. You do. um, Which is weird to have. but alas, here we are, many years later, revisiting it in the public eye, uh, and I am doing it with my friend Neo here. Now, if you don't know anything about our podcast, if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, and you missed last episode on Cannibal Holocaust, which was both sexy and f- delicious and fun, um, you've got to check it out, dude. You've got to check it out. It's the fucking bee's knees. But, but anyway, this, this one... Um, we're showing our friend Neo here cinema. That's right. Cinema. For the first time. For real. See, Neo has uh, lived in Africa the majority of his life. Therefore, uh, his, his movie options were limited to like whatever bullshit he could get on a hard drive. You know, or whatever bullshit we, 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 brought, we, we bought in the States, took it out of the DVD case because they were too big, put him in, pla- in paper sleeves, and hauled them over to Africa. Right. So y'all didn't see a lot of fucking movies. No. However, we mostly watched Chronicles of Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, kind of like every day for a while. Yeah, of course, as you do. Um, but I, on the other hand, disassociated with movies during the tumultuous early years of my life. So I've seen fucking everything. So we thought, eh. Huh? huh? Eh? Yeah. We looked at each other and we were like, "Eh, podcast? Think about it. It's an idea." And so, um, this podcast could alternatively be titled "May Force Feeds Neo Classic Cinema," but uh, and by classic cinema, I mean like exploitation trash. Yes. Uh, it's kind of the bit we're gonna be watching, like classic horror, but also like exploitation trash. Also, at some point, Jodorowsky, which I'm excited for. Right, which, you know, and a lot of these things are going to border on art, film, or exploitation, or trash, or porn. And it's hard to tell sometimes, and that's just sort of the way that things are. Listen, all cinema is porn. For someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so All cinema is someone's secret desire. In someone's deep, dark, little dungeon. Hmm. Water is delicious, and it is the sponsor for today's video. Uh, H2O, get on, go, go on out there and get some. But not Nestle water, <clears throat> unless they pay me. <laughs> so, uh, today, we are going to be talking about Phantom of the Paradise, uh, which is a very unpopular film turned kind of cold classic recently, fairly recent cold classic, uh, although it has been a long cult classic in the city of Winnipeg, shout out to Winnipeg, which 
I guarantee you, Neo, right now, there is somebody listening from Winnipeg. Like, they love this movie. They seek out the stuff where people talk about it. And they're like, hey, we're in Winnipeg and we well, love this movie. Listen, uh, Phantom Con or whatever they call the the, the <laughs> Yeah, the hit us up. We'll come to hit your fucking. Fuck- <laughs> Winnipeg's in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. We'll come to Canada. I'll come to Canada. I like Canada. I like Canada. I lived in Canada for a year. That's fucking crazy, man. It kind of sucked, but. Did they ah. like Phantom of the Paradise there? Oh, I was in Quebec, so they're... It's a very different vibe. Yeah. I see. Well, so Phantom of the Paradise has, like, the weirdest legacy ever in that it's kind of influential, but for really dumb and weird reasons. And also, the way that it ended up even happening is also a bunch of dominoes falling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a rabbit hole. So... Well, before uh, we really dive into the movie... Yes. Like, watching the movie, I could notice like a lot of things that i've already seen that were really directly inspired by it yeah iconography um mo- like most distinctively berserk and then and then that's like the you know that that inspires everything else <laughs> well right yeah so well and that's like the big the big hook i guess is the is the thing but but i guess we're gonna get to that let's let's start from the beginning because Mm -hmm. last time I think we talked for like 15 minutes about all kinds of pseudo political shit for the first like 15 minutes of the podcast and everyone commented and they were like, may what the fuck are you doing? Like you need to get your shit straight. We only have an hour with you and we need to make it count. So we're going to make it count. We're going to start with the plot early on this time. So what is uh, the plot of the film? So Phantom of the Paradise. The yeah. plot is, and someday I'm gonna either remember characters' names or I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> come out, I'm just gonna come in with a sheet. Okay. Uh, William is that the William the... Finley is the actor. Oh. He is. Are are, are you it's referring to? Uh, oh oh, Winslow Leach. Winslow. Winslow yes. and William are basically the same name. Right. <laughs> so Winslow uh, performs a in a whole concerta or part. Of a concerta he's written. Yes. To Conchata. Yes. Conchata, I'm sorry. Um to Swan, who is a criminal music producer. He's an evil backhanded evil bastard. Evil bastard. Um, yes. So this uh evil bastard decides that he wants uh Winslow's music, uh steals it from him, and then uh casts him aside imprisons him and pre- well in, in, I, I was gonna cover a bit what happened in the in the weird in weird, the middling and the weird playboy intro. weinstein man right mansion. oh yeah of course but anyway so we get sk- skipping that uh he <laughs> uh swan uh gets black cops to sprinkle crack on the white man <laughs> which i thought was a very interesting detail um they then he goes to jail gets his teeth ripped out um <laughs> Has has like a nerd rage moment, breaks out of jail, and through a series of comical events, gets his face burned in a vinyl press. Um, he then uh, goes full on Phantom of the Opera and haunts Swan's music hall until Swan approaches him with the deal, and the deal is is he he makes music specifically his concerta for Swan. And Swan will play it for him. They then sign this deal in blood. I should backtrack. The the concerta is about Faustian bargains and Faust. So so the man who's writing music about Faust signs a deal with somebody in exchange for fame and popularity in blood. Uh, he does do that, doesn't he? Yes. Anyway, it's fine. So he then the uh, the devil or swan because uh then proceeds to dick over uh wins winslow yes, yes. winslow at correct just about every opportunity and the rest of the movie is really just every character in the movie dicking each other over because even and the, getting even, involved in some obscure faustian bargain yes even the protagonist is kind of a massive piece of shit mm-hmm. so the whole so so from like halfway through the movie onward it's just everybody being the biggest piece of shit to each other. The entire film. And it ends with them all killing each other. Neo thought that this movie was unkind. I 
like this movie, but they're all well. Like, there's no hero. Like Winslow's a bastard. The well, so the, the, there's this other part of it where um, there's this girl that he really wants to sing it, and Swan doesn't want her to sing it for the sole reason be is the sole reason Swan doesn't want this girl. What's her name again? Phoenix. Phoenix to sing it is because Swan's a massive dick. He just hates her. He well, he just hates women, <laughs> but specifically her. So, yes. but she really wants to move up in the world. So she's siding with Swan against Winslow so that she can get something. While Winslow is trying to dick over Swan because he wants Phoenix to play it. So they're all like, it's, it's like a they're triangle. It's a dick over triangle. It's a dick over triangle where they're all they're all just like dicking each <laughs> other. They're all over. trying to fuck each other, and we get yeah. to watch. It's an orgy of 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 beauty, music beauty. Yeah, and the whole thing's also like a musical. So there's <laughs> right, but it's a diegetic musical, which yeah. is fucking weird. It's a musical that well, hot well, take. That's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's the best kind of musical. Right, it's a musical where the movie has music in it. Hugh Jackman isn't happen. a massive pretentious cock to me the entire time. That's true that's very true that doesn't happen in the movie but uh so so important things to mention right off the bat i think he did a a fantastic job describing the movie i i think everybody should know at this point what it's about um but the important thing to note is where this came from so this is directed by brian de palma and if you know anything about brian de palma you know that he he's a classic director he's one of the like film brats like he made all the shit in the fucking 70s that everyone loves like uh sisters that's one of my personal favorites uh he he made the untouchables dressed to kill oh my god brian de palma he's made so many things all movies. scarface scarface all movies is him i have never seen you haven't seen scarface no well, wow. It's almost I've, like we made a fucking podcast about this problem. I've seen the one good part of Scarface where he's like, you want a piece of me? Come get a piece of me. And you know, right. gets gunned down like an animal. <laughs> yes. Um, is that not a, is, no, is that, that not a good description correct, of Scarface? Correct. Um, so Brian De Palma is a man that oh he also directed Carrie okay this is the important part so so here's some weird connections Neo mm-hmm. isn't this fun so Brian De Palma uh, made a movie with oh my God what's her name from Carrie what is her name oh no I can Sissy Spacek is her name mm-hmm. so Sissy Spacek uh, knew David Lynch and they worked on Eraserhead together mm-hmm. so these this whole thing was kind of going on in tandem with each other mm-hmm. in a weird way around the same time. So Eraserhead was debuting kind of as a midnight movie, which is a new movement around the time that this sort of was coming out. And the first midnight movie was El Topo. They okay. played it in American theaters. It didn't do very well, but at midnight people would drop acid and go see El Topo at midnight, and they would have a rip-roaring, fantastic fucking time. So because of this, they were like, shit, we should start showing all kinds of stuff at midnight. So they started showing Eraserhead. They started showing Pink Flamingos, which is a John Waters movie we'll watch later for mm-hmm. the podcast. You'll love it. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of shit like that. So uh, in the midst of that, there kind of is this lightning striking with the cult and indie side of uh, filmmaking, because it isn't really horror. Eraserhead is the same way. Mm-hmm. El Topo is the same way. There aren't they aren't really horror, but they are like art movies that are that that are psychologically <laughs> intense. Mm-hmm. And so, Brian De Palma accidentally ends up involved in this, but but not enough. It's 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 weird. So. Phantom of the Paradise is his attempt at doing something about that. Uh, a description that he once put into it is like he was in an elevator and he heard the Beatles, but it was a Muzak version of the Beatles. <laughs> so he was just like, wow, the world has died. And it was just like removed from its artistic intent. So mm-hmm. he was like Phantom of the Paradise just like popped in his head. So mm-hmm. he made this movie prim- primarily in Dallas, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um at the majestic theater which is a place that i've been many times and it's a lovely theater 
uh, and oh boy, does it bring back all the phantom memories. If you see it, you'll be like, holy shit, no fucking way. We literally are at the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so Phantom of the Paradise is coming out around the same time as another prominent midnight movie musical uh, that completely outshines it and destroys its reputation. I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm, and I'm going to guess this. Oh, okay. Rocky Let's, Horror Picture Show. Yes, yes, correct. Rocky Horror Picture Show came out uh, nearly the same year. I think it like was pretty close to each other. And one drastically outperformed the other. Mm-hmm. However, these did double bill together on midnight screenings for a little while, uh, which is probably why we still have such a memory of this movie today, mm-hmm. because it kind of, even though it was, in my opinion, the better of the two movies, and I think it's the movie that probably has more to say of the two movies, mm-hmm. um, Rocky just spoke to people in that stupid way that mm-hmm. that they loved in the way that like Phantom didn't. But the funny thing is, Rocky has a scene in Denton, which is where we are. Yeah. And Phantom of the Paradise has a scene in Dallas, which is not far from no. here. That's fucking weird, right? Yeah. Well, just quick Quick, quick take from Neo. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Phantom of the Paradise more than Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, so welcome to the take world because this is your takes are excrement. I agree. I agree with you. Um, not because it's a more hetero movie. Even I mean, Listen, there's there's all, no way around it. It's a little more hetero. We're all gay here. Sure, it's a gay podcast for gays and. I think that like these two movies kind of coming out at the same time spoke to a dichotomy almost. Mm-hmm. They they almost are movies that are weirdly married. Mm-hmm. Um in in my mind at least and in a lot of people's mind. And the funny thing is Rocky Horror Picture Show is still shown in midnight screenings today, which makes it the longest running feature film in history and uh Phantom of the Paradise is not. Unless you're in Winnipeg, presumably. Unless you're in Winnipeg. And so that's the fucking weird thing about it is there were some cities where they did midnight showings of Rocky and they showed Phantom of the Paradise and that picked up attention there. Mm-hmm. So this movie that was like a, a bomb, not even really a cult hit, ended up catching like attention later on when it hit home video and then like Blu-ray and now it's been restored in this beautiful Blu-ray and this beautiful digital copy. And there's like so many amazing versions of it now. And now on Twitter, (laughs) people draw the characters from it all the time and meme the shit out of it. And Paul Williams follows me on Twitter and I've talked to him and that's really cool. And Edgar Wright is like a huge fan of the movie and he like gets the people from the movie together. And Oh my God, Jessica Harper is in it. She's from Suspiria. Mm-hmm. That's really fucking cool. So like all of these cultural lines are kind of getting drawn. And this movie happens to be dead ass right center mm-hmm. of all of these cultural things that are exploding around it. And it didn't really see its its like value until much later, which is ironic because it's directed by Brian De Palma, who everybody fucking loves. I mean, other than Dress to Kill and also, don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> he's kind of a cunt, but don't worry right. about it. But he, he, he's a white man in Hollywood. He, yeah, 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 you get the point. But but my point is, like, everybody went and saw his movies. Like, he's a popular filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So, popular filmmaker, pretty good cast. Like, Paul Williams was, like, known for music stuff. I mean, like, who doesn't want to see this movie? And then you see the iconography of it. And that's kind of where... <laughs> where we can get into it but but like mm-hmm. the the phantom costume here is iconic but iconic in a weird way because it never actually touched culture mm-hmm. it only touched a few weirdos and those few weirdos just just like dove into culture mm-hmm. so there's like a couple of ties there's like daft punk mm-hmm. clearly there's there's um, literally a scene that that you can just watch it and be like wow i can this is the birth of daft punk like this is literally daft punk yeah. right here yeah 
and like Brian De Palma inadvertently invented Daft Punk without inventing it and just kind of like it just launched that shit. There's also a lot of like Darth Vader vibes. There is. You're right. And um, there's also Guillermo del Toro is notoriously a big fan of this movie. And you mm-hmm. can kind of see that if you think about like, I don't, you haven't seen The Shape of Water, but no. The Shape of Water is very heavily influenced by Phantom of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the things that ties them together. And it's, it's like a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, uh, Griffin from Berserk. That, is, that's the big one. Is just the the main character of the yeah. movie Griffith from Berserk and also his character in Berserk. So what is Berserk, Neo? Explain Berserk. To Berserk the is a manga made by I can't remember the dude's name. I think it's Kentaro Miura. That sounds don't right. Quote me. Um, that is about someone making a Faustian bargain and dicking over their friends. Oh shit! Nutshell. Isn't that weird? How oh, that's shit. connected to a weird fucking movie from the seventies that's. <laughs> Oddly similarly about Faustian bargains. Right. Yeah. So, like, the iconography has clearly influenced everything, mm. even though nobody saw this. So, this, like, launched a thousand cultural ships completely unseen, where Rocky Horror gets so much attention, but this, like, didn't see much attention whatsoever until recently. You didn't fucking know about it until I showed it to you. You had you had never seen a goddamn thing about it no. until I showed it to you, and then now we're here. To be fair, I, the same goes with with uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, though. Well, that's fair, but that's because you're a sweet little Christian boy, and <laughs> so Rocky Horror Picture Show just never made it over there for some odd I reason. I don't know why that wouldn't have been shown to you at a young age. Who's the... I, I, I'm kicking myself Tim for Tim Curry? Yeah. Everyone, but everyone... Like, I've seen a million Tim Curry movies. Oh, yeah, not the OG course. one. Yeah, the, not the OG classic. Um, so... <laughs> I'm kind of surprised he had a career after that, like, to be, to be entirely honest with you. Really? Like, Rocky? Yeah. Well, he's fucking amazing in the movie, But he's though. amazing, but I can, I can just see Hollywood in the 70s being like, Damn this. Fuck Damn this. this. I don't no. want to touch this fag. But, but I mean, the movie was enormously successful. He was amazing in it. Like, there's a million reasons why that was really successful and why he ended up, like, really successful from it. But on the adverse, in the Phantom of the Paradise world, Jessica Harper never really exploded. Mm-hmm. Like, like she she's a, street, a scream queen in my heart, but she really wasn't in an awful lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she killed in Suspiria. She was really, really she good. She kills in Suspiria. We're going to do an episode on Suspiria later on. We'll get there. But today, no. Uh, the the other thing is uh, is William Finley, the lead, Wins- Winslow Leach. What the... F- like, where... he He's great in this. And he, he just, like, disappears from culture. And it's weird how the movie even kind of objectifies him mm-hmm. and just, like, turns him into just, like, a mechanical things so he's mm-hmm. barely even an acting in certain aspects of it but yet he performs the character in such a way that it's like if you've seen doug jones perform like he's uh he does a lot of monster movies and it's very who's similar that, uh, to that who's that guy who plays Gollum? it's anthony oh uh um secure circus circus yeah it's kind, yeah. Of, it's kind of like him where he's like i feel like he's in everything that that where they need so, an actor to not Who be a person. Who can embody something yeah. inhuman. Right. And so, like, this is kind of one of the OG, he's embodying something inhuman, which is very traditional to the the influences, which the movie <laughs> is oddly simultaneously influenced by a lot of culture and also influencing a lot of culture because it's a musical about music and about different genres of right, music. Right, and about, about how how certain music kills other music. And, right. And, and how, how music evolves and how it's all, like, orchestrated by shitty pedophiles at the top. Right, who are all, like, not actually at the top. Like, there is always somebody higher there's than a, there's, them. There's always bigger fish, but they're all complete rap bastards who, who, are, who have equal evils to Satan. <laughs> Right, and the whole bit is always, like, maintaining youth, like, maintaining some kind of, like, ever-present mm-hmm. existence and, like, trying to defeat their futility. So, like, everyone's kind of trying to defeat their futility. It's 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 a very complicated thing. But, so, I guess let's talk about 
like the themes of the movie sort of things that you observed because as a first time viewer i'm curious like what you picked up on thematically well so um thematically the the part i really really like about the movie is it's the the faustian bargain um and i think that like just the 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 trope of faustian bargains are incredibly interesting um and so and it's so the whole like vibe of in the movie the main character makes a faustian bargain with swan and there's a scene in the movie where he the main character decides to kill himself so he takes a knife and he stabs himself and (laughs) swan walks over pulls the knife out and says you made a contract and you can't get out of it you son of a bitch (laughs) and so the main the, the main character takes the knife and then tries to stab swan to no effect and swan says what you idiot you don't think i'm not under contract like i'm under contract yeah too so so you know the whole vibe of of it's like contracts all the way down exactly um, well, is, it's just a great great bit right and so it's funny because like some of the ideas that that we experience here are ideas that are sort of vague and maybe even dated like the idea of a contract being like such an essential thing in like a music lens is not mm-hmm. so much of a problem anymore because like musicians we view them mostly as independent like bedroom creators like we mm-hmm. don't really see musicians like like as these huge celebrities quite as much as we used to but we do still see like this kind of thing in our everyday life mm-hmm. where we are making shitty faustian bargains with businesses all the time so yeah it's called it's called the job <clears throat> right and it ends up being like all about not necessarily uh music but labor mm-hmm. and also um like the faustian bargains that we make in our day-to-day life with like how how we secure living and just shit like that and how it's not necessarily one little slip but one you piss off one wrong person and you end up in a prison they remove your teeth Mm -hmm. your fucking life is over right and if you try to break away they'll be like oh no a criminal who's escaping and Mm -hmm. then they'll fucking chase you down and ruin your life like so it's and it's it's very funny i think also that swan defeats winslow early on in the movie with fucking drugs and cops you know what i mean it's like the perfect thing that culturally we view as like how to get rid of somebody Mm -hmm. and so like it plays very strongly with like the way that almost capitalism puppeteers us Mm -hmm. more so than any individual so even when you get to like the the deepest level of bastard even that person is just puppeteered by capitalism invented by somebody else Mm -hmm. so at this point we're all under contract against something and you know even if we want to die we really can't right we fucking can't like that's the fucked up thing about it is it's like that 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 old labor song where you know he's like you know another day another dollar in debt right say peter don't call me because i can't go i owe my soul to the company (laughs) store yeah exactly so and it's it's very much about literally owing one's soul and so it, it goes beyond the physical it's like um, how we all kind of feel these days. And I think the reason that the movie continues to have impact or at least have more impact now than it had back then is not that it was before its time or that it was like seeing things uh, clearly through a lens that like we can't, we couldn't see now, but I think that it, it grows in, in truth as mm-hmm. things go on because like, <clears throat> the movie was very much commenting on the late capitalism of the music industry Mm -hmm. because the music industry was very much when this was made on its very last legs, like Mm -hmm. right before it was about to just burst into complete nonsense. And so like it ends up being a, a story about late capitalism in a way that we can all kind of, unify around and understand Mm -hmm. and nowadays i think it speaks more to the millennial and gen z crowd than it ever did Mm -hmm. to prior crowds 
Well, in, because a, a huge part of this movie is beyond just just the one person of Swan. It's it is a lot about somebody who who is who is young, idealistic. They have they have this creative thing that they've made and are proud of, and they 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 go out into the world to display what who they are and what they've done with their lives, and they immediately just get absolutely fucking bodied by the the weight of the establishment. Right. And it's in like yeah, it's just which as, is where we're all at yeah, now. Millennials right? and Gen Zs. It's it's you you go out into the like the job force or whatever you're trying to do, and there's just this big grinding machine bearing you down right well and if you're a woman then it's it's almost always sexual in nature it's like the exploitation almost comes sexually and then if you're a man it's like you're shoved aside and ignored and they just take your shit mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like it's like i don't know everybody gets it really really bad in this system and mm. um and women can never get ahead. And I think the movie is weirdly feminist in that mm-hmm. it, it describes exactly how women fail to like achieve equality in mm-hmm. in any industry, like how the industry itself will prevent women's equality, like never give them an actual chance. Well, and so there's a part of this movie that we haven't touched on, and that's... Um what swan does is he'll he'll have auditions at his mansion and then the auditions he has are just they put all the pretty women in his bed and he sleeps with them and then that's the audition right well and and winslow sneaks into this Mm -hmm. and then when uh when paul williams's character swan comes out of the wall of the mirror wall Mm -hmm. uh, and sees all of the women he's about to fuck and winslow leach he uh, points at him and goes, get this fag out of here um, in the most perfect introduction to a character ever. Right. Um, yeah. And so then in the entire, the entire movie then is, is like um, Winslow wanting uh, specifically Phoenix in the, in the, in to, to play his music and Swan only seeing her as, as, as something to fuck. Right. You know, um, he he ultimately just wants her voice, <clears throat> I don't, the, or he it's objectifying her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want her for her being. He wants her for her. Well, but he doesn't voice. even want her for her voice because he refuses to have her be the 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 main performer. Right. He only he only has her as the backup because that's the deal he made with Winslow. With Winslow. Right. Exactly. Uh. And then, like, there, there's this ironic element of, like, the people really, really love Phoenix after she performs. Mm-hmm. And she performs, like, one of his songs, and it goes really well. So it's, like, a moment where all of these things kind of congeal, sort of, in the creative process. Like, if you've ever made, like, a movie, for instance, you write a script, right? And then, like, five people get their brains in there, and they fuck your script <laughs> and then you have a different script and then you're like well fuck okay i mean but you tolerate it you move on to the next stage you cast it and then you end up you go oh no i want this person this person is exactly what i envisioned but then you're pressured into picking somebody else and that person gets shoved aside but then through a bunch of weird fucked up elements you know you get what you want this person is in in the lead role and they are saying your dialogue and it's perfect Mm -hmm. and you're like holy shit uh i got like i got exactly what i wanted Mm -hmm. and it actually hit with people in the in the exact way that i imagined it and like that's a very validating but rare experience in the industry because the industry Mm -hmm. is preventing you from ever experiencing that well so there's also an element in it where the moment phoenix sings and is successful swan immediately 180s on his opinion of her and is immediately supportive of her her and her career insofar as he can make a show out of her death later on (laughs) and he can make a little bit of money off of it right but but it, it goes from it goes from he's discarding her as 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 merely only an object of sexual right. desire to then him seeing her as 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 important as he sees everybody else who works for him and that but that is ultimately just some someone to use abuse and then discard 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's also an element of that where um, everything, Swan's opinion of everybody is mirrored by everyone else's opinion of that person in the movie. Yeah. So Swan is, is ultimately a representation of, of, of just the general culture and the general populace in the movie. Right. The way the general populace is looking at things. And mm-hmm. like there's that scene where he's picking which performer he wants to sing uh, Winslow's music as it's kind of going along. And he's like, damn, like I, uh, I don't want any of these. And then it takes only like a second and a look and kind of like just kind of a vibe. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Even if this guy isn't talented, I want it to be like metal. Right. Like I want it to be like punk rock. Punk glam metal. Like clearly this needs to be glam metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just like that's the way that we see it in in the audience like as we're watching it because like every time we're introduced to a style of music we're like okay i can buy that this style of music would exist but i don't want it and so it's like weird how swan is plugged directly in to what we want Mm -hmm. ultimately weird weird well and so let's talk about the music in the movie just in general Mm -hmm. i mean besides the fact that that like we all like the music. The music's very cool. Um, music done by Paul Williams. We love him. And and a bunch of other people th- that I can never remember their names. But uh, they're also very talented and they were also involved. But primarily Paul Williams gets the credit for this because he just wrote a lot of it and was very, very talented. And it's really, really good. So mm-hmm. we sure like Paul Williams and everything he did for it. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the music plays such a key instrumental role in it right while also not ever being what the story is actually about Mm -hmm. so like i'm kind of curious what you like where you kind of take the the interaction between the music and the screen well so the first of all i just i we, we we briefly mentioned talked about this but i think that diegetic musicals are the best kind of musical yeah um, yes so it, it, it immediately i liked it the music and, and how it correlated to the screen much mm-hmm. more than most musicals right because i really i really hate having my immersion broken because like I, I, I the way i watch movies is i I've, i'm pretty willing to immediately shill out my my like um my belief to anything like if right um and that's just kind of like one of my weaknesses with movies is pretty much any movie they are like here's here's what you'll you need. buy in pretty here's, easily yeah here's what you need for suspension of disbelief and for most about everything i will i will just immediately offer it up because i like uh like sci-fi and fantasy because i'm weird and and weird um but so i really hate when movies like make that deal with me where they say here's here's the, the here's what you need to suspend in order to like buy into the movie and then they immediately just change the dynamics of that right so like with like Les Mis or you know any other movie musical, the moment they they break they out, they actually of this, start singing. They start they they look at me on the camera and they start singing to me about what's happening. I'm You're out. immediately like ah, like ah, fuck you, Hugh Jackman. Wait, yeah, no, I I get that like completely. I feel very similarly. Uh, I've always felt weird about musicals. I don't know why. I mm-hmm. felt the same way in theater. It's like, well, but but like musicals in theater. It just always made so much more sense it, to me. It, it works a lot better. But speaking of diegetic musicals, like we were recently watching Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Like I mm-hmm. made Neo watch that <laughs> one day. Uh, and so that's another diegetic musical. I, I wish I remembered more of that movie. I think I slept. I, you I was, were on a lot of D8 marijuana. I was on a lot of D8 marijuana and I slept. And I, I so I, I remember liking what I remember of it, but I, I, I feel like I, I missed, I missed most something of the movie. significant. Yeah. Right. But still the, the same vibe applies where it's mm-hmm. just like, you can buy into the music so easily because it's diegetic. You're just like, Oh, okay. People performing music and we're watching them perform music. Mm-hmm. And that uh, appeals to us. But so something I noticed about the music, um, this time around, because I've seen the movie like a billion times, but I, something I noticed this time is like um 
there's this weird element of the first time that Winslow performs, he's at his piano and he's playing the song Faust, which is the song that goes through the entire movie in well, a billion different genres. Really the only song in the movie. It's, right. It's the entire soundtrack of the movie is the same exact song. I was not played. myself last night. I'm just listening to apologies and flowers. Yeah, it's, it's that thing. And so like he plays that and then that gets stolen from him. Mm-hmm. Then they go into a mansion and he hears a million annoying women singing badly uh, his song, mm-hmm. the same song, um, because it's removed from its context. And then it's further removed from its context when the Juicy Fruits perform it, which is in the middle of the movie where there's the bombing scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so there's a scene where Winslow literally bombs a band, which is great. Well, the Juicy Fruits are totally not the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, they're totally not meant to be the Beach Boys. And so, like, the the totally not Beach Boys perform Faust, the same song, and the vibe is completely different. And the whole thing is like, carburetors, man. And that's what life is all about. It's like just got this like totally like completely different vibe. And mm-hmm. and but the the way that they change the song to try to make the song fit, it's the same kind of song. It's the same general vibe. And the weird thing is, it's still the about the same core themes. So like at deep down, that song ends up all, continuing to be about like being a failure and like suddenly fucking up and feeling like a fuck up. Mm -hmm. So like that performance of it in the movie is a version of that where they're trying to perform it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like where they feel like fuck ups. So the, the song continues throughout the entire thing, but the weird bit about the song Faust being like the key here is that, for the most part, it's about feeling like a fuck up and needing to like do something to to validate yourself. Right. Right. So the bargain itself is is more like this youthful validation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's funny how the music ends up adaptable. And while Winslow fucking hates it when the Juicy Fruits perform his song it still ultimately gets the point. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of fucked up about music, Mm -hmm. right? Is because you can show music to somebody in a billion different ways, but ultimately they're going to see it in the way and and feel the feelings Mm -hmm. in their own sort of way. It's the the ultimate point is going to be the same, even Mm -hmm. if the music doesn't reflect that. It's kind of strange. (laughs) Music is is fucking weird. And especially in this context, because it's like, First off, Brian De Palma is not a music boy. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he, he's all that musically savvy, but he has some takes about music. Right. And, like, I feel like Phantom of the Paradise is, <laughs> hello, everyone, I have takes about music. Right. And, oh, boy, are they takes. Mm-hmm. And so this, this, like, reflective nature of music or how it's, like, adaptable. What's that Zizek thing about Ode to Joy? <laughs> oh, like, every song is Ode to Joy? Mm-hmm. Well, like, Ode to Joy is ultimately, like, trying to capture this feeling of some sort of nationalist euphoria, and it's applied mm-hmm. to a million different things, and it works mm-hmm. every time, and from from democracy to fascism to communism, like, everybody can, can play Ode to Joy, and they'll all be like, yeah, we are all happy. Well, and- it's, it's such a, it's such a, like, a, a, a brainworm into, into making you feel good about about whatever authority is over you right and for so, whatever reason like just that bum 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 is just like it just immediately makes you, you accept there. authority <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fluoride it's musical right. fluoride it's the manchurian candidate <laughs> um <laughs> we hear ode to joy and we just are subservient salute the flag cocksucker yeah exactly <laughs> so like yeah, Phantom of the Paradise has this weird, like, influence in that it it continues to be about this like regurgitated, like, dead shell of music that continues to be like carried around. So like ultimately, mm-hmm. the Phantom of the Paradise, 
you know, is is it is it Winslow? Is it Swan? Is it Phoenix? I I'm kind of of the opinion that it's the music, right? Mm-hmm. The music is the is the phantom. It continues to haunt everything forever. It can be a different, a million different genres. It can embody a billion different people. But ultimately, they look at the page and there it is. And while it sucks that the guy that made it was forced to be like living a, a drugged out nightmare life in a weird cage as a robot man uh, who looks like a bird, <laughs> he he did make a masterpiece that haunts the world forever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, John Lennon is dead, right? But we still hear Muzak versions of the Beatles mm-hmm. everywhere. And if you really want to, you can kind of like trace your imagination to the meaning of that song in any situation and it's just like it will always live with us no matter what Mm -hmm. even though like the people that made it are long dead and the ideas are you know either no longer apply or whatever Mm -hmm. so it's weird that a movie about how art has a tendency to haunt culture Mm -hmm. has a tendency this movie has a tendency to haunt twitter and everybody really likes it (laughs) and draws pictures of it and nowadays they're like, dang, this is ever more ever present now than it's ever been before. Right. Well, and I think there's also a bit in that movie where it's um, it's 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 talking a lot about how how art is is escapes the artist. Yeah. Very quickly. Right. Where as as much as 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 the robot Birdman wants to control his art, it's. He's he's given it. He's put it out in the world, and there's right. nothing he can do to wrestle control from he the world. He can't have it back. He can't have it back. And it's like it's like that with with just all music. Is once you give it to the world, anyone can take it and do anything with it. And there's really right. nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because this is kind of predictive of some of the things that would end up happening in Hollywood in like the '90s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Brian De Palma was ultimately kind of a friend of George Lucas, and so <laughs> he watched George Lucas make alterations to his old art and be like, "Damn, dude!" <laughs> like, you know, like because mm-hmm. culture, culture takes things. Mm-hmm. It's it's theirs now, and we we hate it. We think it's like fucked up or bad or something, but. It is also just the way that things manifest. Right. So like at the end of the movie, the last like shots of it are all of these people dead. Mm-hmm. And then somebody grabs Winslow's mask off the ground and puts it on their own head and just kind of stands there and is like vibing in a cool mask. Right. And then like, you know, everybody's just like filming the dead people and it's just a giant party and the music's still going on and everybody's like, hell yeah, that was fucking wild and awesome. Mm hmm. And it's just like it's all their a show, man. Right, exactly. Their culture is just accepting it as a, as a show, and just accepting it in the same way that we, you know, unfortunately accept like politics as a show or mm-hmm. anything else that's going on on TV. It's like we accept things as a as a performance, <laughs> even when it's like right. dire and serious. Well, and even like like even as far back as ancient Rome, they understood as long as you entertain people and feed them they don't give a shit about politics. Like they, they don't give a shit about what's going on around. Them. Right. As long as, as long as you, you, you give them a circus and you give them bread. Yeah, pretty much. And so the, I think the, the point of the movie is ultimately cynical mm-hmm. that people are just a, in a, in a giant mass are, <laughs> they just want to show. Right. And bread. <laughs> and, and so like, if you want to feed them, you know, that's the contract right it's like that contract you make with the audience Mm -hmm. almost and so a lot of the contracts in the movie are kind of that it's contracts with the audience that is that are signed in blood because Mm -hmm. if you fuck up it's it's your life it's the only thing you ever did Mm -hmm. you know so like i feel like a lot of artists understand (laughs) understand this deeper than than a lot of non-artists or people that have experienced like the shitty elements of capitalism. Uh, so it, it just kind of applies to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are connecting to it in a way that they maybe didn't a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. Like, I feel like if Rocky Horror and this came out today, this would be much more popular. Mm-hmm. I think based on the people I've experienced in my life, 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Rocky Horror, I think most people would consider it to be kind of weird and problematic. Well, yeah. Well, it'd be, and trashy. I th- and I think mostly because the ultimate meaning of Rocky Horror Picture Show is, wow, Reagan sucks. Right. Well, and, you know, I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, I'm never going to not love it. I've seen it a million times. But I think when it comes to, like, staying power, things that are important to me, things that, that have ultimately ended up meaning a lot to me in my life, Phantom of the Paradise is way more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think culturally, while... While Rocky Horror Picture Show does have like a whole lot of cultural significance and it did launch a whole lot of careers and shit, so did this. <laughs> so did this. And and honestly, the stuff that that is that is launched by Phantom of the Paradise, like Guillermo del Toro stuff and like Daft Punk and Berserk. Berserk and shit like that. To some degree, Darth a lot Vader. Of, right. And a lot of these ideas and the things that are on display, it's like, I love these things and I think that these things have have become more and more important to me as time has gone on. So mm-hmm. I really feel like this is the one. So um, we are kind of getting kind of near the end here. So we do have to ask the ultimate question, which I guess I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast, but maybe I should do it next time. <laughs> uh, so the whole bit here is that um, we're going to decide if this gets to be added to the excrement pile or if it doesn't even get to be that, you know, because yeah. like ultimately uh, we are just a big pile of trash around here. And last time we decided controversial and, and listen, we got in trouble for it. A lot of people came at me. They were like, May, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, listen, listen, it's Neo's takes. Come after me. It's yeah. It's Neo's takes. Why are you yelling at me? Go at Neo. Yeah. yeah. Get at Neo about his takes. But- someone who, who, who genuinely and passionately doesn't care what the internet has to say about me. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so yeah, but we decided to put Cannibal Holocaust in the excrement pile. Uh, With which, a big old fiat. But. Which I know sounds really, really bad, but it's actually a good thing. Go um, on, just, 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 just go watch the podcast. Yeah, you know, just go listen. We explain it. We take explain it, take a bit. listen to it. Listen to it while you're shitting. Yeah. It's good for that. As, as, as we intended. Yeah, it's ma- we made it specifically for truck drivers. <laughs> it's a podcast for truck drivers. Uh, so 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 today, um, I have a feeling I already know where we're gonna go with this, yeah. but I guess we have to do it anyway. And this is the part where everybody gets to play along at home. But um, is this going to be added to the excrement yeah, pile? It's great, it's excellent. <laughs> it's, it's a great fun movie. movie. Great fucking movie. You, uh, you see someone's face get melted in a vinyl press, <laughs> which is pretty fucking sick. I will say this: the movie has the worst digital matting that I've <laughs> ever seen in any motion picture. It's like the <laughs> you silly bitch. Here, let's just start start that from the top again. <laughs> no, it's all going in. Oh, it is. This Never is mind. great shit for the audience. I, the I audience. dropped a battery. Yeah. Here, listen, listen. Wow, fucking amazing. Wow, listen to that. I love it. Anyway, I'm out of batteries. So, so. but I think the bit with the digital matting here is that, um, like, there was some, like, contract dispute or some some lawsuit or some silly shit, and they had it very, very quickly for the Blu-ray, like, very, very quickly and shoddily put a digital mat over a couple of logos, and they did a, a <laughs> fuck terrible job at it. Like, a fuck terrible job um all appreciation for them getting that movie to me like thank god there's a blu-ray of phantom of the paradise like these days like that's a wonderful thing and i'm not complaining about it but god damn it like can we maybe improve that for the 4k <laughs> you know <sighs> it, it, it that is something funny when you're like remaking these old movies where when you're when you're dealing with a lower resolution resolution some things you can kind of like get by with mm-hmm. not doing well but the moment you put it in 4k and you can see every, every little detail, microscopic thing and it's like it's like oh wow randy really didn't want to do a good job with the matting because he was busy and he just said fuck it it'll be in, it'll be in four 480 or whatever resolution yeah who gives a fuck yeah very very different experience so um but but anyway back to the question at hand i also would put it in the excrement pile i love this movie uh this is in my top five probably like i've, I've watched this a million billion times Notably, the first time I watched this, like, I watched the movie, and then before taking the Blu-ray out, I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna just watch this <laughs> son of a bitch again. 
uh, and just started right at the top. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. I don't know. We we didn't watch this one on acid, by the way. We, Cindy, can you give it a fucking rest? We're in the middle of a podcast. So, um, no, we I didn't. love you, Cindy. So we didn't watch this one on acid. We we watched this one like normal humans. No, we watched with... this one drunk because <laughs> we just gotten home from a bar crawl the night before Halloween. Oh, right. Yeah, it's a much better situation. But still, n- n- regardless, I think with substances, movies just are always better. Mm-hmm. So we, we got all the substances. It all lined up perfectly. And I think uh, <laughs> I think it was pretty good. But anyway, so you, you get the conclusions here. Uh, we, we both really, really like Phantom of the Paradise. I think everybody online really, really likes it these days. I don't know anybody who's like, fuck Phantom well, of the Paradise. When the movie ended, my immediate, the words that came out of my mouth was, that's really fucking good. Yeah, I really damn, I love that. Fuck. Damn, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like exactly the reaction one can have because it's like a very good, astute, like the, the spicy little movie. It's short, sweet, to the point, good shit, and a musical. Yeah. It's for it's for gays and for straights yeah. sometimes, occasionally. And for people who like Berserk. And for people. And Daft Punk. And Daft Punk, yep, yep. I mean, pretty much apply. That's... That's so, everyone on that's, the planet. That's everyone. That's everybody. So um, before we sign off here, uh, we this is our second episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing more of these because these have been going very, very well. <laughs> I think we've both been very happy and the audience reaction has been amazing. Like everybody's been reaching out and saying, oh, my God, it's so good. Uh, we, we can't wait to, to hear more. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to be really uh, it's going to be really great to keep doing this. Like we're, we're aiming to do weekly Hope that's cool. I mean, I mean, bi-weekly if, if, at most. Bi-weekly, yeah. At I mean, worst, I guess. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to get editing done and and everything published all the time. But I'm glad that people are listening to it. We're we're also gonna set up an RSS feed and get it all up on uh, iTunes and get it up everywhere that podcasts are are sold for free. Are found. Are found. Are located. Uh, and also, I guess. I guess we're we're considering like a Patreon or something if people continue listening, <laughs> if we continue to have a, a really good response. But uh, yeah, just let us know. I suppose like you can tweet at us. I'm at Nick Spears and I'm at I'm at Angstrom. Yeah, and so you can hit us up and uh, and you know tell us shit, send us pictures of your dick, you know, great great shit like that. Yeah, please don't send a picture of your dick. To Neo, he's sensitive. I'm, 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 I'm a sweet little boy. He's a, a sweet, sweet little sensitive cat boy. little cowboy. He can't see that. <laughs> he can't be looking at that right now. I think just as a general rule of thumb, the PSA for the episode is unsolicited dick pics are not appropriate in no. any context. <laughs> no, never. That's... Make sure they're solicited. <laughs> That's the main point of the podcast today, uh, and we That's... want you to take that home with you. Yeah. No, no unsolicited dick pics. Please, no. Yeah, get off grinder, kids. Stop being <laughs> stop being like that. Your parents are very disappointed. I'm disappointed. Are, <laughs> My are, parents are, are disappointed. Are we their parents? We are their parents. Hi. I mean the 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 uh the parents of the internet. We're the the internet parents now. Yeah. Hello gays, we're your parents. I'm mom. I'm I'm I'm, ne- I'm dad. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, so uh, we're gonna do another episode soon. Where we're probably we're looking into doing the thing or Suspiria. We've got a couple of titles that we're looking at. So we could Suspiria is great. Yes. But fuck is uh, what's his face hot? John Carpenter. No, he's a wrinkly old man. Um. Um. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is very hot. He's the so, sexiest man alive, and he has been since he was eighteen. You know, we can all. Um, so we can also do a. Uh, we could do Escape from New York, which we've seen recently. I mean, there's so many things because we. Oh, we love Kurt Russell in this house. I also am a Kurt Russell stand. I would let that man top me and throw me over his shoulder and carry me into the sea. This is I'm a all about Kurt it. Russell appreciation household. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Uh, so there's definitely going to be like a Kurt Russell appreciation hour coming your way any minute now. Whenever we figure out which Kurt Russell we movie, we can guarantee wanna... the next movie will have Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell in it. In it, 
who's that Pokemon? And it's like a movie poster, but it's like the only hint they get is Kurt Russell. And we haven't even decided which one we want to do yet. Anyway, the point is the podcast is over. Go home, kids. It's time to stop hanging out with us. Uh, you know, uh, don't let the the good, the, don't let it, the, the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Uh, and get the fuck out of here. I need you to get the fuck out of here. So uh, get on with your life and have a great one. Uh, my name has been May, and this has been Your Takes or Excrement. And have a, have a good life. Who are you? I'm Neo, and I'm demanding that whoever's listening has, has, has a good old time <laughs> after this. You'll probably have a great one, and if you don't, then I'll kill you. Goodbye.